Hello, and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margaret Parker. Joining us today is Katri V. Tipo, MD, MPH. She is an assistant professor of pediatrics at the University of Arizona in Tucson, Arizona. Dr. Tipo is with us today to discuss her article, Impact of Resident Duty Hour Limits on Safety in the ICU, a National Survey of Pediatric and Neonatal Intensivists, which is published in the September 2012 Pediatric Critical Care Medicine. Thank you for being here, Dr. Tipo. Oh, thank you. Um, Katri, would you please start by giving us some background to your study and what led you to do this study? Sure. So I was, while I was an attending physician at Texas Children's Hospital, one of my colleagues, Leticia Castillo, actually approached me um, because she knew I was working with a health services research group. She approached me with the concept for this study after several of us as attendings in the ICU had noticed or started to feel that as the fellow and resident duty hours were reduced, that we were actually spending a greater percentage of our time as the attending in the ICU while on call, either awake or directly supervising trainees, directly managing patients, or taking more phone calls about questions from our trainees. And then we knew that many PICU staffing patterns include more than 24 hours of continuous duty for attending physicians, uh, and sometimes a week continuous at a time. So we wondered if other units were experiencing the same increased time awake while on call and if this was potentially affecting attending physician daytime fatigue and error rates when they might still be caring for patients and that this might potentially negatively impact patient safety. We were curious uh, if attendings were going to have further increased fatigue or fatigue-related errors as a result of current duty hours or future planned resident duty changes, uh, which would potentially shift fatigue-related errors from the resident physician to the attending physician, uh, and that we thought this might have important implications for how in the future, as attendings, we staff our units. You know, attending physicians aren't immune to fatigue-related errors, <laughs> no matter how much you might wish you were, and experience doesn't always protect you from making mistakes. And as people age, fatigue surely affects you differently. And then we have no idea about what kind of cumulative effect years of sleep debt have on an attending physician with regard to fatigue and medical errors. So uh, we thought these were all interesting questions that we didn't see much in the literature that anyone had looked at before in the PICU specifically. So Leticia Castillo, um, one of my colleagues, myself, uh, and Hussein Charmshi uh, worked with the research group where I had my research home, which was at the Houston VA HSRD Center of Excellence. We collaborated with Hardeep Singh from there, as well as Eric Thomas from University of Texas, who's a patient safety uh, expert and an expert in patient safety surveys, to just take a preliminary look at this issue by assessing perceptions of PICU physicians through survey research regarding their own fatigue and error rates and how or if, in fact, resident and fellow duty hours were affecting their own fatigue and error rates. Well, this is obviously a very important issue for intensivists. You have touched on some hugely important points. Tell me about your study. What did you do and what did you find? So we thought the best way to first even address this issue to see if it was a problem, if other people felt this was important, was to create a survey. Uh, and so with the guidance of a psychometrician, Adam Kelly, 
who was at the VA at the time, he and I developed a survey based on literature review and looking at other surveys were out in the literature as well as our primary research questions to assess perceptions about current and future impact of resident duty hour restrictions on safety-related risk measures, which we determined were attending physician and resident fatigue, attending physician workload, error rates, both self-reported, and the attending physician's perception of resident error rates, as well as overall safety culture. Uh, so we pilot tested the survey at Texas Children's Hospital with our intensivist there, who we then excluded from the actual survey, and contacted uh, 160 fellowship programs. And we decided to do fellowship programs because we wanted to look at programs like our own, where uh, we had an active fellowship and pediatric residency program. Uh, we wanted to look at programs like our own first, and then potentially move on to programs that didn't have fellows to see if um, perceptions were the same. And then we contact, we were able to get full email lists for all attending physicians at 55 of those programs. So we sent actual surveys to 688 um, NICU, PICU, and CVICU physicians and got responses from 360 or just over 52%. And what we found were, uh, we, we had some sort of validity questions in our survey to make sure that our results matched with what other people had found in surveys. Consistent with other studies, we found that attendings perceived the trainees, fellows, and residents as having less fatigue since the duty hour rules had come into effect, but that almost a third of attendings felt that the duty hours actually increased the frequency of errors made by trainees as opposed to decreasing them, uh, which was the intended goal. Now, of course, this is a survey, so it's their limitations, but it was interesting that this is the perception of attendings. Uh, and then when we asked attendings about their own care and fatigue, we found that 62% of attendings felt that they now spent more time while on call providing direct patient care, and over half, or 56%, felt they were more fatigued while they were providing direct patient care. Now, most of the attendings uh, responded that they didn't think this fatigue increased their own error rates. But again, that would require further study to know if that's really the case. Attending physicians also thought that further duty hour restrictions would further increase the consecutive hours during which they provide direct patient care and also further increase their fatigue while they're caring for patients. We also wanted to assess whether or not attendings felt that when they made a mistake, was it more or less likely to reach a patient compared to when a resident makes a mistake? So actually half of the attending, it was 50-50 split down the middle, half of the attending felt that errors made by the attending were more likely to reach a patient, and 43% felt that the attending errors were more likely to cause harm. And so I think that's just something that would need to be looked at further to know where what's actually happening. And then almost with regard to overall patient safety culture, one-third of attending physicians perceived that safety culture had actually worsened with uh, the advent of duty hours. You have certainly gotten some very thought-provoking data <laughs> in your yeah. study. When the attendings perceived that their mistakes were more likely to reach the patient and do harm than a resident error, why do you suppose that is? So we purposefully put that in our survey, obviously, um, mm -hmm. because we thought that the the layers of that prevents you know, the wrong order being written that exists 
for a residence. There are more layers uh, protecting a patient from a resident order because the attending is there to look over what's happening. Whereas when an attending is writing an order directly, there are normal hospital safety mechanisms in place to prevent medication errors and such, but there isn't another practitioner necessarily standing there making sure that what you wrote is on the right patient and that it's the right amount or that it's the right time to do an intervention because so many of the interventions in the PICU are time-dependent and um, time-critical and um, and making the right diagnosis is often is more so the attending's purview. And so uh, we thought that errors in judgment, making an incorrect diagnosis, or uh, that there were just fewer safety measures backing up the attending, who is supposed to be the ultimate authority. So if the attending makes a mistake, then that safety net of another practitioner looking at that order before it goes through isn't necessarily there. I think there also may be an element of um, deferring to the attending um, on the part of nursing staff or uh, other trainees that might not be the same as with a resident. Yeah, sort of like the pilot in the cockpit. Yes, yes, yeah. So I recall a few years ago when I made an error, and a few minutes later, a a third-year medical student with great trepidation came up to me and said, Dr. Parker, I think there's been a mistake. And she was exactly right, and it was exactly the right thing to do. And I thanked her because the rapid recognition of the error uh, allowed me to address it so that no harm came to the patient. But had she not been willing to do that, it could have been a different story. As uh, resident duty hours become increasingly restricted, which seems to be the direction things are going at least over the next few years in this country, what do you think the implications are for training programs? Right. So we continue to have changes in ACGME duty hours to avoid fatigue-related errors in resident physicians, uh, which seem to result in increased number of handoffs, which negatively impacts patient continuity. And so it's difficult to say. I think that there was a study by uh, Volp that suggested that rather than implementing a single duty hour structure, that we should potentially be doing comparative effectiveness studies, looking to see what's the best way to manage fatigue-related errors for the whole team, potentially, that maybe we should be attentive to fatigue on all healthcare team members, not just the attending physician, but the nurse, the respiratory therapist, the pharmacist who's overseeing medication errors, uh, and the resident physicians and fellows so that we ensure the safest environment for the patient so that regardless of how an error or if an error is made, that it can be captured and there's someone on the team with layers of continuity that can make sure that we reduce errors as much as possible. But I think it ends up having to be a assessment of the whole healthcare team, which is what the ACGME itself has suggested, that the paying attention to the entire healthcare team is important. Uh, given all the data about fatigue-related errors, do you think that attending work hours should be restricted? That's a tough question. Um, <laughs> so I can't say, based on fatigue-related error or error studies, um, it seems like an attending physician shouldn't work a 24-hour shift. But it depends on how much they get on call, how many times they're woken up. And I think it's all up to us as individual physicians to pay attention 
and be cognizant of how fatigued we are and if we're developing fatigue and um, if we need someone else to help out taking care of a patient. I think if an external organization should mandate attending duty hours, I think it's sort of up to us as responsible professionals to decide what's appropriate, how long we should work, how to manage the whole healthcare team so that our patients, who we're ultimately responsible for, get the best care and aren't subject to fatigue-related errors. And um, I think that my perception is after talking to a lot of attending physicians in the PICU after they've taken my survey and, and, and talked to me later at meetings is that PICU intensivists and C- I don't mean to exclude CVIC or NICU, it's just that's my own field, but that uh, intensivists seem to be cognizant of this and are changing how they staff their own units, that there is an increased uh, demand for 24 hours a day intensivist in-house coverage, uh, and about half of the attendings in our survey actually already had an in-house mandate. And then people are thinking of creative ways to staff that and to actually move towards less total number of hours providing continuous patient care. So I I kind of wonder if people are already starting to notice this and take care of it on an individual unit basis. I think that it is likely to be a trend over time. Um, We are training residents and fellows in a system in which their work hours are restricted. And when they become attendings, they're not magically going to be able to work the longer hours that um, certainly people of my generation expected to work and worked in training. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have a generation of young attendings who haven't been trained in the lengthy work hours and probably have a hopefully safer for the patient uh, approach to recognizing their own fatigue and under conditions of extended work hours. But it seems that the healthcare delivery system is going to have to change to meet the the personnel demand, if you will. Right. So uh, you kind of alluded to that, to the creative ways people have come up with to staff 24-7 intensivists in their units. Right. And then it's interesting because in our survey, because we, we evaluated just current practice staffing as part of our sort of demographic data for our survey, and actually 92% of the CVICU, NICUs, and PICUs in our survey already use physician extenders to augment their attending staffing. And so that's sort of a pool of of people that has already been tapped. And so as resident duty hours further restrict, and there's oftentimes an increased need for attending presence, uh, increased need for attending staffing, there isn't necessarily the personnel pool to actually provide that. So I think people are going to have to be very innovative and creative uh, when figuring out how to do staffing without increasing fatigue, without increasing error rate. You also alluded to the fact that this study was done only in units that have fellows and residents. Yeah. Um, if you extend it to units that only have residents, the findings may be similar or even more so in terms of the attendings' perceived need to um, provide more coverage as the residents spend less time in the ICU and have less um, experience in managing critically ill patients. I agree. I actually currently work in an ICU. While we did the survey, I worked in an ICU that had 
15 fellows, and now I work in an ICU where we have no fellows. And it's that change, personally, has certainly, I have an increased presence, of course, in the ICU when I'm on call, but I'm interested to see how that changes as duty hours further restrict. And that's one of the things we've thought about is, well, maybe we'll be repeating this survey again in a year to see how have perceptions changed as people are living the duty hours, how have perceptions changed. And then this is, was always meant to be a first look to see, is this a problem? Have people noticed this? But not meant to provide any conclusive answers, just sort of to suggest that this is something that we should look at and pay attention to. So where do you think is the next step for you to go from here? Because you raised so many potential <laughs> questions. <laughs> um, it is. Uh, I think that what we would probably end up doing is repeating this survey next summer, most likely after further duty hour restrictions, but probably in units both with fellows and without to assess differences between those kinds of units and then assess differences in perceptions over time in the same units we already looked at. And then after that, I think you would honestly, in order to assess error rates, uh, you would probably have to do anonymous sort of secret shopper watching attendings because I don't think that surrogate markers through an electronic medical record like uh, what other studies have done, like looking at a, a high INR value for patients on warfarin or, or looking for errors, uh, med- medication errors, would necessarily capture the issue because so much of um, NICU, CVICU, and ICU care is whether or not the care is timely. Right. That you have to have someone assessing timeliness of interventions, per- perhaps, at a, you know, some find a way to do it in an anonymous single center or something. Um, which was part of the reason why we did the survey in the first place. We weren't sure that we would find it easy to do that kind of research. Well, I, I think it would be tremendously difficult to get a real look at actual medical errors. Right, right. Uh, do you have any further comments you'd like to make? No, I don't. Just uh, thank you so much for speaking with me. Well, I think you have a very interesting uh, start on a an issue that is extremely important to critical care and, in fact, probably to all of medicine. And I thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you. We have been speaking with Dr. Katri V. Tippo from the University of Arizona in Tucson, Arizona, to discuss the article, Impact of Resident Duty Hour Limits on Safety in the ICU, a National Survey of Pediatric and Neonatal Intensivists, published in Pediatric Critical Care Medicine in September 2012. This concludes another edition of the iCritical Care podcast. Please check out our website at www.sccm.org slash iCriticalCare for more information. You can now find us on Stitcher and Beyond Pod, as well as on iTunes. For the iCritical Care podcast, I'm Dr. Margaret Parker. Margaret Parker, MD, FCCM, serves as an associate editor for the iCritical Care podcast. Dr. Parker is Professor of Pediatrics at Stony Brook University in New York and is the Director of the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit at Stony Brook University Medical Center. A former President of the Society of Critical Care Medicine, Dr. Parker is involved in quality improvement and standardization of care in the pediatric ICU, as well as resident education. Her clinical interests include severe sepsis and septic shock in children. The iCritical Care podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. 
Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members.